Welcome back, everybody. I am TRP, otherwise known as Brett Baker. I'm with Thomas Penland once again. And it's time. It is time for me to start this rant as to why it is time for Jason Garrett to leave the Cowboys. Man, I know we talked about this being two to three minutes, so I'm going to try my best to keep it at two to three minutes. But I could probably talk about this for a solid hour. First, imagine going to a job, getting yearly goals, not even coming remotely close to achieving these yearly goals, getting paid extremely well, and still waking up every single day to go to the same job. Jason Garrett should not be there because he completely butchered this Patriots game. We should have won. Should have been an easy dub. We didn't know what we were doing on special teams. I understand that. That's okay. Whatever. The only team to beat the Patriots, though, is the Baltimore Ravens. And you know what they did? They went for it on fourth down. They took risk. They it paid off. And they beat the Patriots. We were set up to win this game because of the rain. We're a running team with a great offensive line. We did not get it done. We had a bunch of fourth and shorts, like fourth and ones that we could have converted. We decided to punt it away. And this is why we lost the game. And Jason Garrett constantly does these sorts of things where he does not know how to manage a football game. So I don't know why it's taken this long, but news came out today that Jason Garrett will be fired if he does not win a Super Bowl. That's straight out of Jerry Jones's mouth. Apparently, Jerry is itching for a change. So are all the fans. And I honestly have never been this excited to hear that. Well, honestly, I've never been this excited for the Cowboys to not win a Super Bowl. Because we're not winning a Super Bowl with Jason Garrett. I'm I'm ecstatic that we're not winning a Super Bowl. Because now I don't have to deal with Mr. Clapper over there on the sideline. I just... It's Urban Meyer season, 2020. Yeah, you know, I kind of have to agree with you. And plus hearing everything Jerry Jones said, I mean, like you said, he wasn't even prepared to play in the rain. If anything, Bill Belichick, the kind of coach he is with how good he is, he's going to expose you for what you're not good at. And I would say he exposed Jason Garrett. I mean, there's an obvious coaches discrepancy there. I mean, Patriots have allowed two red zone drives all season long. Dallas had at home and Dallas had both of them. And, you know, I mean, I know you had to get the field goal, but at the end of the day, you got to go for that fourth down. You know, like it's the end of the game. You haven't really been able to get down the field. It's pouring down rain. Your best player, Amari Cooper, is zero catches. I think you end up having to go for that. Um, I don't I know why you don't go for it, especially being down by seven. Okay, so here's my thought process. It's a fourth and mid, mid-range. You don't go for it. You give them the ball inside the 10-yard line with three timeouts and six minutes to go. And you can force a punt, which you've been forcing all day. The Patriots offense hasn't moved at all either. And then you have another chance. To kick a field goal is so ridiculous to me. It just doesn't make any sense. I I don't even want to talk about it anymore, honestly. It's ridiculous. And also the tripping calls were absurd, but... Yeah, there was, that, was a, that was a missing tripping. I, I, I don't know. I don't. I guess it might have been an invisible foot or something. Only the referees could see it that tripped him because that was 
that was a horrible call. But no, I definitely agree with you. I think Jason Garrett's been the main with this team. I think that Dallas has all the pieces they need. They have great personnel. They have everything they need in order to win these games. And it's it's got to be coaching. I mean, that's that's what it comes down to at the end of the day, and that's what I held them back in this game. Yeah, fun fact, though, on these tripping calls, there's only been two other instances in which a team has been penalized two times for a tripping penalty in the same game. So if you haven't listened, if you don't listen to Pat McAfee's show, I would definitely give Monday's episode a listen because he kind of talks about, he walks through the process of like how a coach can kind of get these penalties. And Bill Belichick pretty much just finessed two tripping calls against the Cowboys this weekend. And it was just ridiculous. But Cowboys are back tomorrow, Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. We play the Bills, which doesn't seem like an interesting game. But hey, those are two pretty good teams right there. So it's going to be fun. Hopefully we don't lose because I'm actually extremely worried that the Eagles are going to catch up. So I don't know if we want to segue that into the Carson Wentz discussion or do you want to talk about college football playoffs? No, we can segue that into the Carson Wentz discussion, honestly. I mean, I felt like you did it pretty well. And so Carson Wentz pretty much in this game on Sunday – up until garbage time, he had 100 yards passing. Um, is Carson Wentz the, what's holding back the Eagles, and is he overrated? It's kind of a double question, but I'll let you start things off. And I think most people knowing you're a Cowboys guy can probably guess what you have to say. Okay, so to answer this question, I honestly don't think that it's necessarily him holding back the Eagles. I think there's a whole array of issues that the Eagles are dealing with, especially on defense with their secondary but Carson Wentz is not who we thought he was. He has all the tools to be great. It's just that he's not. I mean, he doesn't play well. It's so frustrating to watch as a Cowboys fan, this guy not play well and people still defend him, especially because Dak Prescott can play, or in the past, Tony Romo can play extremely well and have one bad game or one bad play, and everybody is always like, oh, this guy sucks. Get him out. Get the next guy in. Carson Wentz has played horrible, and it's time for us as fans of the sport of football to hold him accountable for that because I don't he's played god awful. And yes, he's overrated. Um, be honest with you, I don't necessarily blame Carson Wentz for what's going on. I think that he doesn't really have the weapons. I mean, he's been thrown like Mac Holland, all these other just no name receivers. I mean he's only throw to Ertz and Goddard because that's all he's pretty much got. Also, on top of that, um, he doesn't have a Frank Reich anymore or Filippo. You know, both those guys are out of the building. They're not there anymore. And I think that Frank Reich, honestly, is a lot. I, I look, Frank Reich didn't get enough credit for what he did in that Eagles Super Bowl run. I mean, he's the one who outcoached Belichick in that Super Bowl game. He's the one who called all the offensive plays. I mean, that offense was stoppable. That now. All Frank Reich, so I think that so that they don't have Frank Reich and they don't have the creative play caller, and I'm sure he kind of you know he, he made Wentz look a lot more confident out there making plays, you know, and I think that Wentz misses Reich a lot, and I think straight up that's just what it is. They don't have him anymore. And don't get me wrong, I don't think Carson Wentz is a bad quarterback. I think he's the quarterback of the future for the Eagles, but I'm just gonna read you a quick little tidbit, regardless of. It doesn't matter who he has on that offense because he has Ertz, 
He has a young, talented running back of Miles Sanders. He also has Jordan Howard. He has Alshon Jeffrey, even though he's been injured off and on. He has weapons on the field. It's just, I'm going to, did you just sneeze, man? Sneeze, but I kind of myself. Okay, well, this is his stat line, or his, even his yardage total for the best defenses that he has played. He threw for 214 against New England, which is pretty good. It was at home, so it's a whole different story with New England at home. Against Buffalo, he threw for 172 yards. At Dallas, he threw for 191. Versus the Jets, he threw for 189. And at Green Bay, he threw for 160. I just don't think that Carson Wentz is this... People acted like Carson Wentz was the GOAT before he even like touched the football field even. And yes, I understand that he has plenty of potential, but I think it's generally time to have some accountability when talking about Carson Wentz being a great quarterback in the league. I mean, people still hail him as like this I don't even know it's like a quarterback god over there honestly Philly just thinks that they have like the greatest quarterback for the future and he is a good quarterback I just don't think he's just he has not been what we thought Carson Wentz was since that injury during his MVP season or his MVP caliber season yeah, no, I mean, I completely agree with you. He's just not the same old Carson Wentz, and I think it's the fact that he doesn't have the same play callers. He doesn't have the same offensive weapons, you know. So that's just the way I think things are for Carson Wentz. Last year, I thought it was more so him trying to do more this year. I think he's just lacking the playmakers that he needs. Um, let's keep things moving, though, here. Um, let's talk about the college football playoffs. So the college football playoff came out tonight. Ohio State at the LA 2, Clemson number 3, Georgia number so not that much of a change except for the fact that Ohio State jumped LSU. And, you know, my thoughts on it is I personally don't think Ohio State deserves to be there. I mean, Ohio State didn't look that great in the Penn State a little bit while a little while to get things going. Once they get things going, you know, it felt like that they were more so playing to, you know, lose the game rather than win the game. And that's really not what you want to do if you're a team like um, – if you're a team like they are. And I've been fully impressed, I think – play them a close game that they're more so looking forward to win to playing in the national championship rather than they are playing Michigan I mean I'm not saying they think they're gonna lose or anything but overall I mean I don't think you can ignore what LSU's done I mean LSU beat Florida when they're in the top 15 they beat Auburn 15, and they beat Alabama who at the time you know was I think they Alabama was number two or three in the nation you know they've beaten they've done it convincingly they have the best player in college football playing quarterback for them with Joe Burrow or the best quarterback in college football you know I think that LSU deserves to be number one, but the way I look at it is, I think that this is telling us something that they're probably is that they're basically assuming that LSU beats Georgia, they're going to put Alabama in over any of these other one-loss teams, and they don't want to have the two SEC teams play first. I think that's what the play is telling us. Hmm. I personally think that this this is the year, as far as college football playoff talk, this is the year that forces the hand in terms of forcing them to expand that playoff into eight teams. Look, we talked about it right before we started the show. This could be an absolute train wreck of a situation for college football, especially the playoff committee, because there's a lot of situations that can result in a not very good situation for college football as a whole, because you're going to have 
the whole entire, I guess the best way to explain it is if by chance Minnesota is able to beat Ohio State, Georgia's able to beat LSU, and I will leave everything out like Utah winning the Pac-12, you're going to have a bunch of one-loss teams cluttered atop the college football standings and hierarchy. What do you do if you have a 13-0 Clemson, you have a 12-1 Baylor, you have a 12-1 Minnesota? Granted, I don't think they're going to win. Baylor's not going to win the Big 12. I don't think Minnesota's going to win the Big 10. But if you do, that means you have a 12-1 Baylor, a 12-1 Minnesota, a 12-1 Georgia if they win the SEC, a 12-1 Utah, a 12-1 LSU, a 12-1 Ohio State, and an 11-1 Alabama. This is an absolute train wreck. You can't possibly try to... Whatever the college football playoffs committee does, you're going to piss off an entire nation. I mean, that's just how it is. And this is going to be the year because it's been such a successful year for so many teams. I think this is a year that it kind of pushes the agenda, pushes the envelope on expanding to an A-team you know, playoff, which I think it should already be at. If mm-hmm. Georgia does win the SEC championship, I, honest to God, have no idea what might happen. I can't even pretend to be- to fill your thoughts with false hope or notions that three teams might get in or two teams might get in or Georgia would be the only team that was a sure thing, correct? Would you agree with that? I think it would be Georgia, LSU, and then Alabama. What, in the playoff? You think they'd get three SEC teams? No, it would only be two. It would only be two, but I'm saying it would be in that ranking. It would be Georgia, LSU, yeah. and Alabama. Because if LSU Georgia beat Alabama. Wins, they're in a, if Georgia wins, they're in 100%. But then what do you do with a team like Ohio State if... Okay, so... Or rather, what would you do with a team like Minnesota... If they win versus Ohio State, which I don't think they will, but what do you do? For real. Um It's a train wreck. Yeah, I just one, really like yeah. I honestly, one I conference game goes wrong and it is a train wreck. Honestly, I think Minnesota would have a good chance of getting in. You know, you look at the teams that do the common opponents are. I mean, Minnesota beat Penn State, so did Ohio State. I mean, they did lose to Iowa, Ohio State and play Iowa, you know, it's I think that's kind of the way they it lost go. to Iowa on the road by a small margin. Really, I mean that's a tough game. Like one, that's one of the harder places to play in that conference. I mean, it's, I, dude, I just don't know. One conference game can go wrong, and it's just a complete. Again, I hate to beat a dead horse. It's a train wreck. So it has to be eight teams next year. I can't even fathom how the college football playoff committee could walk away from this year and say, oh, well, four teams works pretty well. We should just leave it like that. I just don't I don't think it's possible. At very bare minimum, it needs to be six teams. And look, the college football, the NCAA is all about making money, right? Correct? Mm-hmm. Correct. If the season were to end today, the 2020 playoffs would be set up you would get Ohio State versus Minnesota. You would get Alabama versus Georgia. You would get Utah versus Clemson. And you would get LSU versus Oklahoma. That is what you want if you're the NCAA, right? Like, you want that. Why would you not want that? 
it is mind-boggling to me that we do not have an 18 playoff already. Should have been like that the second it started. But what do I know? Yeah, no, I, I think I agree with you. I want the 18 playoff. I think the 18 playoffs coming soon. And, you know, it's I, I think the 18 playoffs more fun. It's more revenue for college football. You know, do the first round of the games kind of a little bit before Christmas, then do the next round, you know, when you've been doing them. And then to give them basically go two weeks for the first round of games, two weeks for the second round of games, and then give them that week and then play the championship. You know, like I think that's definitely the best way to do it. So it, ex- the it the extends day, the season too. I mean, you yeah, would no, get. I, your season would end as the NFL playoffs are starting. Finally do something for the people on the NCAA's yeah. part. Just do something for your fans. Because honest to God, a little bit of a side rant, the NCAA has not done a damn thing for the fans ever. They take away players for minuscule reasons. Not even going to get into that. But... They don't care. It seems like all they want to do is make money, and this is the perfect way for them to make money and also appeal to their fan base. So I don't know what they're doing. I mean, my God. Yeah, I agree with you completely. I, I really don't know what the NCAA is doing. I mean, I, I think I mean it, it makes sense to me. Also, I think it's way more revenue too if you have if you do do the games like that. You know, you split them up into two days. Have two day have two days with a. Uh, be uh, be four games so two games two days games each you know I, I think it's way more revenue for their NCA it only makes sense for them as a business so we'll I mean see it if just, the I, I don't the NCA is one of the more mind-boggling organizations that I've ever seen I mean it's almost like movie level corrupt well, I think – oh, it definitely is movie-level corrupt. But I think they do the postseason and everything correctly for college basketball. I just want oh, to see no, them yeah. fix Beautiful. college football. You know, it's, it's the exact honest. same thing. You just need to tweak it a little bit. I mean, I don't think you can argue that there should be more than eight teams, you know, so I think that's the best way to do it. Even the FCS does a great job with college football playoffs. I mean, I mean look, it doesn't have to be on that grand of a scale. I think that having an eight-team playoff, you, there's never – I don't think there's ever going to be a situation in which there's more than eight teams that truly deserve to be in the running for the national championship. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, no, I I agree with you completely. There's There should – like, if, if that point, if you're doing over eight teams, it's just stupid. There's no – I feel like usually in college football that there's, like, five or six teams that set themselves apart from everyone else or like or like there's usually like three teams like there are this year that are head and shoulders above everyone then there's like five or six teams you know that are definitely good enough to be in that playoff it just depends which way the cookie crumbles you know then after that i mean there's probably like see the way i would want them to do it is do the seven best teams that give like the american or you know what i mean give like that one spot for the team that's like the ucf you know that goes undefeated or goes one loss you know give them that last spot in there and be that make that the reward for the team that's number one overall you know they get the easiest game out of everyone yeah not to mention i think that this has been one of the more successful honestly thank god this has been one of the more successful years that we've seen in college football as far as an array of teams having good seasons so I think, I mean, mm-hmm. if you look across the board, the only team that's in the top 11 is Michigan that has two losses in Florida. Florida and Michigan are the only two with two losses. And those two losses came against teams that are within the top 15. I mean, seriously. I think 
it just makes sense that you're gonna have you're gonna end up having probably ten teams with ten to eleven wins by the end of this season. So I think you have to expand it. It only makes logical sense. But you know what? To end this conversation, the NCAA are the most illogical group of people that I have ever met in my entire life. Or I haven't even met them. I guess I have, but anyhow. Yeah, I was about to say, when did you meet them? Yep, I mean, let's uh, move things on now. Let's go over to the NBA. I'm going to let yeah. you start with this one because you're the one who uh, kind of brought this topic up. If the season ended today, is Luka Doncic your MVP, Brett? Yes. I'll tell you why. Here is why he is the MVP. We're always talking about these MVPs because they bring their team to relevance. They also bring themselves to a different level of relevance. Luka Doncic has done both of those. One, he's been a fan favorite. Two, he's averaged a triple-double in his last 15 games. Three, he has the Mavericks as a top-four seed in the Western Conference. They've only lost six games now after they lost to the Clippers last night. And to be honest, he really isn't getting that much help from Kristaps Porzingis uh, being back. I mean, not to say Kristaps is playing bad or anything. I think he is getting a lot of help from Kristaps, I should say. But I think that he is just taking his game to a whole other level this year. I mean, we've never seen anything like this, even with LeBron James. Uh, through 88 career games, I know everybody has seen this. He has more points than Kobe Bryant, more rebounds than Kevin Garnett, and more assists than LeBron James. This is a guy that has the it factor. He has that Mamba mentality, so to speak. I think that while obviously I don't know how long a 20-year-old in this league can go about this MVP caliber play, I think that right now he's the favorite. I can't... There's like there's the LeBron Jameses and the James Harden, your favorite pick over here, who's averaging damn near 40 points again. But all these dudes are veterans. They're veterans that have been playing on a team for a long time. They've been playing in the league for a long time. They've won MVPs. They have been to the playoffs. Luka Doncic has not done that. This is his second year. He's averaging a triple-double. I don't know what else you can do to win an MVP in your second year. And I think that right now he is the favorite for me. And he's Um, doing it. One more thing. He's doing it at a very high field goal shooting percentage for what he's doing. Um, I'm going to have to completely disagree with you on this one. James Harden and the Rockets, um, I think the record now is like 11-5. and five. They have one of the top records in the in the West. And look, what Doncic is doing is amazing for, what he, for how old he is and everything. I agree with you on that. What he is doing for his age, unheard of. I mean, Doncic is a beast. He's definitely an MVP caliber player. I don't think he deserves it, though. James Harden is averaging 39.2 points per game. 39.2. If LeBron James was doing this, if Luka, if anybody but James Harden was doing this, the entire league would be, their mouths would be watering over. If they'd be bowing down and praising LeBron or Luka or whoever. No one in the league has done this since Will Chamberlain. James Harden is putting up absolutely absurd numbers that leads to winning. He helps his team every night. There's been games this year where the whole, where four out of the starting five sit out. And he still goes off. He goes off for 45 and wins the game, and he has no one on his team out there playing. You, it doesn't matter who James Harden has on the floor. It could be him and four G-leaguers. He's going to drop 50 and win the game for his team. I think that that deserves MVP. I think with James I think James Harden, he does not get the credit he, do, he deserves for what he's doing. He's doing things that are unheard of. That you, I mean, He's doing things that you do on my player in 2K or that you lay in bed and dream that you were doing at night. 
You know, that's the only way you do what James Harden's doing. I think he deserves the MVP, but honestly, I think James Harden's got to the point, you know, that LeBron's at or Mike Trout's at, you know, where you're the MVP every year and you might not get the MVP award every single season. You know, James Harden has reached that level and there's very few players that can reach that. So to combat the whole James Harden talk, as far as player efficiency ratings go, there's three three players right now above 30. It is Giannis Antetokounmpo, Luka Doncic, and James Harden. James Harden is sitting at a 30.15 PER. The only other two ahead of him are Doncic and Antetokounmpo, and they're two points ahead of him. Pretty much neck and neck at this point. Uh, Luka is behind behind Antetokounmpo, but it is so difficult. We've seen it. It's so difficult to win MVP two, two years in a row. Luka's shooting at shooting the ball at a higher percentage. He has more assists. He's almost gotten his assist average up to 10. He's at 9.5 at this point. He's shooting better from almost the entire field at this point. And I just think that it's kind of like when your team goes from a bottom feeder to the top, there's more value in you being the MVP because the Rockets have been a top-seeded team for three years in a row. Yes, James Harden has been the key component in them being a top seed, but I think when you really, when a team gets to gets from being a lottery team to a top-seeded team in the hardest conference in maybe any sport, you have to kind of add value to his MVP race, I guess. I mean, it's just a... Right now, obviously, I think he's my pick. I don't doubt that James Harden or Giannis Antetokounmpo or even, honestly, there's some dark horses in this league right now that are playing incredibly well and could honestly make a run at some point. I think we're going to see the, one of those, you know, the MVP game. I think we're going to see about two to three of those from any MVP candidate that we have on the board right now. So it's an... It's probably going to be one of the more exciting seasons as far as an MVP race goes. We will see. I'm not sure. I understand. Like, I'm not... I don't disagree with you with the fact that James Harden probably deserves MVP. He probably deserves it any year. Same thing with Giannis. Same thing with LeBron James. But sometimes the light shines a little bit brighter on the person that just is getting to the scene, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely does. I understand everyone, why everyone wants to pick Luka. And look, I think Luka should probably be second or third. And I would vote for Luka over a guy like Giannis. But I mean, no one's even in the same area code hardly as Harden is with scoring. He's translating to winning games. He makes his team better night in and night out. Doesn't matter what's on the floor. He's still going to do it. You can triple team him. He's still going to get buckets on you. I don't think it matters. Um, No one in the league can score the ball like James Harden does straight up. And I think it deserves the because I'm no damn sure if LeBron was doing it that he would get the respect he gets. And also in general as a player, if LeBron, I mean, he lost to the Warriors a bunch, and everyone says, "Oh, LeBron, you know, he lost to the Warriors. He couldn't get past the Warriors. That's the best team ever with Kevin Durant." I mean, Arden had him beat if Chris Paul didn't go down. And I know if it was the same thing with LeBron, we would hear the exact same excuses. So I'm sick and tired of it. Give James Harden the respect he deserves. Treat him just like y'all treat LeBron. Well, I'm I'm, I'm sure everybody can agree that we're sick of LeBron getting the LeBron treatment and that's just what it is I mean you can't really I mean you can't really say anything about it but at the same time in the same instance 
I would like to point out the fact that while you do say that he's not in the same area code or you know nobody's in the same area code as James Harden scoring-wise, he is averaging five and a half more minutes than Luka Doncic. So something to think about a little bit. I wanted to find something uh, real quick to show you the disparity is not as big as you think it is. So if you want to carry me somewhere else while I look this up real quick. Yeah. Um, so kind of obviously Monday night we had kind of a big game, two teams, the Rams and the uh, Ravens go at it. Kind of gives you a couple nice little, you know, talking points. So one, obviously, I think everyone's talking about, look, the Ravens and the in the in the Patriots have separated themselves as the two best teams in the league, I think. I mean, I think they've separated, or at least in the AFC, they've separated there on another level from everyone else in the AFC. So looking at these two teams, um, do you think the, Patri- the the Ravens can take down the Patriots if they meet in the playoffs? Can the Ravens? Okay. Well, I'm pretty much going to answer the same way as I answered it in two very short Actually, let me rephrase you. that. Let me, let, me, let me rephrase that question. Obviously, they can't. But do you think they will? Yes, I do. I think that whether it's not the Ravens, it's going to be somebody that beats the Patriots. The Patriots' offense is not – it's just not good. Um, it does not look like any Patriots' offense that we've ever seen. Yes, their defense is probably the best that we've seen. However, this is a Ravens team that hasn't punted the ball with Lamar Jackson on the field in the last three games. They have literally not punted the ball with Lamar Jackson on the field in the last three games. That is such a crazy statistic that nobody's talking about, or not enough people are talking about, rather. I think that it's clear that they have what it takes to beat Tom Brady and the Patriots in the playoffs, and I think it really just comes down to whether or not they can snag a home field advantage over the Patriots, which I don't think they can. So I do think it's going to be a tough game to win, but I think that they will do it and that they can do it. I think that this is a team that is built to beat the Patriots. They're a great look. This team, the Patriots team will not let you throw on them, not successfully without doing other things. So I think that this is the team that can absolutely beat the Patriots. They are a great running team. They have Mark Ingram. They even have Gus Edwards, who's a great change of pace back for that offense. And they, of course, have the guy that leads their team in rushing yards as a quarterback, Lamar Jackson. So I think it's there, man. Really, the Patriots beat people by getting them to fourth down and forcing them to kick field goals and settle. And not, they kind of like make teams leave points on the board. The only team that didn't do that didn't fall into that trap, was the Baltimore Ravens. So it just depends on that fourth down play for the Patriots, honestly. I I, I have no idea what could happen, but I I think that the Baltimore Ravens will be playing in the Super Bowl this year. Ooh, see, as much as I want to see the Ravens get there, I think this is one of the most fun teams to watch. I mean, you can tell they all have fun out there. Like, I don't know if you've seen these, like, NFL films videos or not. I mean, Mark Ingram coming up to the podium. After that Texans game, hyping up Lamar, and then him get talking to all the players when they're whooping up on the Rams. I mean, even when they got the interception at the end of the game, he was down there taking the team photo with the defense. You know, this team's having fun and they're doing playing football the right way. But 
If I've learned anything from watching football over the last few years, it's that Bill Belichick, the second, you might beat him the first time you play him, but when he meets you again, he is ready for you. Look, I think when he played the Ravens the first time, he had a game plan he thought would work for Lamar. It clearly was not get it, it wasn't it, you know, it was not getting the job done. And I think that he just kind of said, okay, let's see what Lamar can do, and we'll be ready for him next time. Um, we also, you know, we saw a team like the Chargers. The Chargers, the second, the first time they played the Ravens, they went down. The second time they played them, they were able to stop them. I think there is a serious advantage to seeing Lamar Jackson twice in one year rather than one. And I honestly think the Patriots are going to take them down. This is probably the best defense in the NFL. They've been dominant. They pretty much have dominated every single team this season except for the Ravens. So I think the Patriots' defense can get it done. They're only going to get more healthy. They're going to get Sanu back. They're going to get Dorsett back. Um, they're getting a little bit more off- offensive line held back. You know, they're going to keep getting Isaiah all these Isaiah Wynn is huge back. for them. Yeah, you know, they're going to keep – like Brady looked comfortable back there in the pocket. I mean, he was putting the ball in the money. Receivers were just dropping it. But I do want to say, though, the- ask me this question again next week because I think we're going to get a very good idea of – the Ravens on the road against the 49ers. I think that isn't it on the road or is it at home? I'm pretty sure it's at home because it's a one o'clock game. That would make sense. I'll look at it while you, while we're doing this, but, um, you know, I really think that this, uh, this, I I think that, let's put it this way. I think that this Ravens team can, um, I think, I think they can get it done. You know, I I, I mean, I think they can, I think they have the best chance of anyone we've seen of getting it done. But at the end of the day, I think Belichick's going to be ready, and he's going to have some sort of game plan prepared to stop him. Yeah, I think that, honestly, he might use this 49ers tape because the 49ers defensively kind of operate a lot like the Patriots in terms of trying to get to the quarterback, trying to make his life a living hell, and then forcing forcing their hand and you know having good coverage throughout. So obviously that's just your typical good defense, but they have just a – very similar style defense. Honestly, I think the 49ers are probably a little bit better on the pass rush side, while the Patriots are probably a little bit better on the secondary side. So it'll be a fun game next week. I think that'll be the one that kind of sways me one way or the other with the Ravens, but they are looking extremely dangerous. I don't think anybody in the AFC wants to play them in the playoffs, and I'm almost positive that Bill Belichick really does not want to play them in the playoffs. Probably doesn't necessarily mind, but I don't think he wants to play them in the playoffs. I, I, I personally think the Ravens are going to the Super Bowl, so we'll see. And yeah. no, that's a perfect it's, way. It's going to be fun. I can't wait. Oh, and by the way, on that uh, Luka Doncic, James Harden conversation that we just had, yeah. uh, per 36 totals on this one has Luka averaging 32 points per game with 10.5 rebounds and 10 assists. James Harden on his per 36 minutes is averaging 36 points per game with 7.5 assists and 6 rebounds. So, all I'm saying, Luka's not too far off. Uh, I think we're going to see an uptick in minutes with Luka as the season progresses. I don't think he minds playing big-time minutes. And... We might have a super superstar on our hands, man. He's Euro LeBron. Yeah, I guess we'll see what happens. Um, I guess you know this this question kind of ties into what we just talked about with the Ravens. Um, if Lamar stays at the pace around, or even just around in the same neighborhood of the pace he's on right now, is he your NFL MVP? 
I think so. I think he is going to be the MVP, especially if he can eclipse that 1,000-yard uh, mark on the ground, which he will do. Uh, I think that, I mean, Russell Wilson is having a great season. The fact that neither one of them necessarily really outplayed one another in their game versus one another, but the Ravens came out on top on the road, I think that that is the one piece that is going to secure the MVP for Lamar Jackson, especially because if you look at the Ravens schedule going moving forward, this guy has the opportunities to honestly outpace himself. So yes, he plays two tough games against the 49ers and the Bills coming up, but those are games that are MVP games. Those are games in which he can secure the MVP. I think right now he is the favorite. And then he goes and plays the Jets redemption game against the Browns and then the Steelers to end it. I think this is definitely the Lamar Jackson MVP year. So, fun fact. Yeah. At the beginning of the season, he was plus 6,500 on the odds of him winning MVP. So, yeah, no, I definitely, I, I honestly agree with you. I think that Lamar Jackson, if he eclipses that thousand yards on the ground, he's going to be close to four thousand in the air. You know, I think that that's definitely MVP worthy. Also, the way the Ravens are winning with what all he's doing. I mean, he had five touchdowns last game. That was absolutely unbelievable. Um, throwing. I just don't. Yeah, throwing too. He didn't run for any of those. I just, I just don't see any way you give it to anyone else besides Lamar. He's been absolutely dominating. I mean, I guess if it. They end up losing a game or two here towards the end of the season, and Russell Wilson keeps the pace he is. Russell Wilson can't get back in it. Look, I wouldn't say Lamar's a lock or anything because a lot can happen here in the last couple weeks, but if he stays around the pace he's on, I don't see any way you give anybody but him the reward. I mean, yeah, he's in the top 10 in rushing yards. Uh, he's just absolutely dominating on that aspect of the field, and he's also – I mean, he – Hardly cracks the top 20 in passing yards in a league that is passing-oriented. But that means he still has almost 2,500 yards. He's thrown for 24 touchdowns to only five interceptions. I just don't know what else you can do to win MVP as that type of quarterback. I mean, the ratio for touchdowns to interceptions is insane. The only one that has a better one is Russell Wilson. And he has 24 touchdown throws with three interceptions. But he also doesn't have the 800 rushing yards and six touchdowns on the ground. So I don't know if you can give it to anybody else at this point. Yeah, no, I, that's what I'm saying. It's tough to give it to anybody else, but I definitely feel like that there's a there's there's definitely a chance it's out there someone can, that Russell Wilson can get it over Lamar. But it's pretty much between them two at this point. So Do you know whoever the, winds uh, up with it, then. Fun fact. Do you, can you name the uh, quarterback with the highest quarterback rating this season? In the in the league, um, it's Lamar. Uh-uh. Oh, uh, yeah, actually, no, that was QBR that I was looking at yesterday. Yeah, QBR. He has the highest QBR, but QB rating, like just your traditional QB rating. Um, hmm, let me think about it for a quick second. Um, if Honestly, you know, if I had to guess, I would probably go with Either Russell Wilson or actually no 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 I do know the answer to this one actually is it Kirk Cousins? It's Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins leads the league yeah, in I, traditional I quarterback rating, 
and he's throwing the ball at about set or he's completing passes at about 71%. So good for Kirk Cousins. He also has a 21 touchdown to three interception ratio, which is incredible, especially for Kirk Cousins. Don't know if he's getting enough conversation because he started the season so bad that this has really been within a what a 10 game or a seven to 10 game period in which he's really just Mm -hmm. been raking in stats so Kirk Cousins is playing at a honestly this is gonna sound crazy he's playing at an MVP caliber level but not this year Kirk I'm sorry for you know bursting your MVP bubble Captain Kirk but he's playing great Oh, yeah. I don't know how much it'll keep up when he gets more of these 4 o'clock in primetime games. I think he'll fall off a little bit. Yeah, more, he but played no, I have... really well against Dallas in primetime. So. Yeah, he definitely did. He definitely did. Um, last topic we talk about before we wrap things up here is what happened to the Rams. And honestly, I think I have the answer. The Rams, they unfortunately locked all their money up in – I mean, it's all their money's pretty much locked up in like Brandon Cooks, Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, Aaron Donald – um, Jalen Ramsey, you know, they locked all their money up in these superstars and it didn't work out. You know, they traded all these, they basically just loaded up on as many superstars as they could. And that's like a, you know, that's kind of a one season thing. Like we saw it work last year, but then they didn't have the money to resign in Dominican. So, you know, they don't have the money for everyone. You're kind of like, where's the money coming from Rams? How are you going to keep on doing this? And it didn't work out and it's all falling apart from them. You know, they don't really have any draft that many draft picks anymore because they wasted them all trading to get these high profile guys. And, it's come back to bite them. I look. I think the Rams will figure out a way to salvage the situation they're in. But I mean, they have no offensive line. Gurley's knee makes them unable to run. They all they did was just kill teams, just drill teams based off play action. And the fact they can't play action as well, that's absolutely hurting them. And then they don't have the depth that they would have from having all these draft picks as they used them all in trade. So it's come back to bite them. And quite frankly, it's that's what's killed them. I think personally, what has killed them has been, well, the guy that's getting paid the most on their team, and that is Jared Goff. I think that Jared Goff has not played well at all. I think that it's actually been there for him to play well in certain situations. Obviously not all situations, but he just hasn't made plays that he needs to make. And I think that, I don't know if that's something that he can fix or if he's just going through a little bit of a slump, whatever. It's been 18 games now. He has about 18 touchdown tosses to a outstanding 20 interceptions and also about 15 fumbles during that 18-game period. I can't... I mean, for somebody that's getting paid as much as him, that is not good. So that makes sense why they're playing so bad, if you really put that into consideration. I think that... I think that'll do it, though. I mean, we, we're going to talk about the uh, Thanksgiving pod. I don't know if we're going to release that on Thanksgiving or the day after, but either or, there will be a Thanksgiving pod. This one was kind of something that we needed to have just to get some things off our chest, really. I mean, uh, the Jason Garrett talk, um, the Lamar Jackson talk, which was honestly the two, two big ones for me. I think that's what I got taken away with, and uh, honestly – this is one of those like rant podcast in which just needed some things needed to be needed to be said. So I said them, and you said them. So that's it, right? Yep. Yeah, that's that's all I have to say. Pretty much, I knew you wanted to rant about Jason Garrett. Like I remember right when I texted you, I was like, "All right, he's definitely gonna say Jason Garrett." And you did. I was like, "I'm gonna let you open things up with a rant." So 
cool. could have started off any better way, but Brad, I hope you have a great Thanksgiving and you enjoy watching your Cowboys, man. Yeah, uh, hopefully we don't lose because, honest to God, if we lose, I'm I'm convinced that we were not or we're not going to make the playoffs. I thought that we were probably going to win the playoffs and then move in and win a or a divisional playoff game and then lose and then Jason Garrett was going to stick around. So this whole news about the play or the Super Bowl thing, great news for me, made my week and I'm super excited about it. So. Do follow us on the TRP underscore sports podcast Twitter. Uh, it's a great time. Uh, I've actually been on a rampant Twitter binge over the holiday weekend because I've actually or the holiday week because I've had some time. So it's been fun. So do follow us. Keep it up. And get any last words? Um, that's all I got. So we can just go ahead and end things. Peace. Shit. How's it going today, guys? I'm back here live in the studio once again for another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Today's Wednesday, November 27th, 2019. It's the day before Thanksgiving. I hope everyone's ready to eat a lot of food. Um, it's feast week, guys. We got college basketball on all day, every day. Obviously, we got the Thanksgiving days, games. We got Friday college football right after. So it's a stacked up week this week with sports. Can't wait to watch it all. I'm going to try to pump out one other podcast for y'all this week. But me and Brett are about to break everything down for y'all. So let's go ahead and kick it out there. Get things started off. I'm excited.